Hi there. Welcome. Bless you. I want to share with you in a, in a series of eight short podcasts on kingdom, the kingdom of God. We're going to look at the kingdom of God, understanding kingdom, constitution, finance, keys, land, territory, leadership, principles, and ministry. But first, I want to invite you to come and worship with us. We minister and we minister from Venita, Oklahoma, Isaiah 58 Ministries under the leadership of Bobby and Christina Wisdom. And it's really, really fun. It's really good. The presence of God is electric in the meetings. Sunday morning, we meet at 10.30 a.m. And on Wednesday evening, we meet at 6 a.m. as well as on a Monday night for prayer. Join us for community prayer when you can. So let's have a look at kingdom. Kingdom, dominion, kingdom. King, dom. King's dominion. Originated in the heart of God, all mankind was created to have dominion over all the earth. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. When God spoke and said, let us, he was referring to himself, the Holy Spirit and his son, Christ. Let us make man in our image and likeness and let them have dominion. There we go. You've been created in his image and likeness to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What happened is Adam and Eve fell. You, we know that. They fell into sin and literally they handed over the title deeds to the powers of darkness. This dominion slash kingdom was the very first kingdom on earth. Nothing ever. There was no dominion before that. This dominion kingdom was God's heavenly rule made manifest through mankind. That's you. Man lost this dominion and kingdom to Lucifer. But Jesus reclaimed this dominion and kingdom. And he gave it to you and to me, the church, the judicial authority over all the earth. There's no other authority. The word of the Lord is very, very clear on this. And we're going to pick up on this later. That the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. And God wants you to exercise your authority and grow in your territory. Stand up and take every one of those mountains. Let's have a look at the Hebrew and the Greek on kingdom first. The dominion word for Hebrew, in Hebrew, the Hebrew word dominion is shalat. And the definition is to be the ruler, to be the master, and to be to have power. There, Genesis 126 says, and let them have rulership. Let them be the master and let them have power. In Greek, it's kratos. It's to, it's to be strengthened and to have might. Now, kingdom in Hebrew is mamlaka. It's, it means kingdom, sovereign rule, or royal power. In Greek, it's basilia. And that is kingdom, sovereignty, and royal power. Do you know the Merriam-Webster definition of kingdom? is the governing influence of a king over his territory in all areas of life, animal kingdom, mineral kingdom, and plant kingdom. My brothers and sisters, God wants to raise you up so that you can exercise your authority. The enemy has come to steal, to rob, and to destroy from you, from me. But Jesus himself has given to us the keys of the kingdom. And we're even going to look at that later. So I want to bless you this moment, right now, and I want to speak a word of life to you. Father God, will you come, redeem, restore, heal, refresh, replenish, and I speak recompense in Jesus' name, everything that's been taken away. 
will be restored and let it be restored sevenfold according to your word. Father, I thank you for the blessing of the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow. So I speak life right now to the one hearing this, that they will exercise their kingdom God-given authority and that they will increase their territory and take hold of all that you've given to them in Jesus' name. Bless you. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. The kingdom. There are three scriptures in the Bible that speak of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of the Father. God wants us to understand kingdom. The first thing God ever did was establish a kingdom. And he created man, he created you, to rule, reign, and have dominion in this kingdom. Matthew 6 verse 9 and 10 says the kingdom has always been in existence. Isaiah 6 says the king is upon his throne in his kingdom. In Daniel 2, we see that God changes times and seasons, removes kings and sets other kings up. God wants to set you up. God wants you to rule, reign and have authority and dominion in the area of your influence, which is called your kingdom. My brothers and sisters, God wants you to increase and exercise God-given authority in this area. God wants you to execute judgment over the works of darkness that come up against you. Not one word can prosper. Not one tongue that's raised against you can stand when you submit it to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When you submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't avoid the devil. You resist him. And the resisting of the devil is taking authority in the kingdom that God has given you. God changes times and seasons. And we're in a new season. Let's not miss this. Jesus says in John 1836, my kingdom is not of this world. I know that you and I live on planet earth for a season, a very short season. But while we are here, the Lord wants us to rule and reign in the state of perfection, in the state of excellence, in the state of increase. I'll tell you how we get there. It's true repentance and acceptance of Christ that places you and me in his kingdom and gives us authority in our kingdom. Matthew 6.33, sorry, that scripture was Mark 1.15, but in Matthew 6.33, you know it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God wants to increase you exponentially. Luke 12.32, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not only has he given you the kingdom, but Jesus himself has given you the keys of the kingdom. We'll have a look at that later. Matthew 6 verses 9 says we need to pray for the coming kingdom. My brothers and sisters, that was in the Old Testament. Today the kingdom is present, it's at hand. Right now, Revelation 20 says the earthly kingdom will only have and be here for like a thousand years. But in 1 Corinthians 15, there's an eternal kingdom that will never pass away. Matthew 13 says the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. My kingdom and your kingdom on planet earth is a temporary season. Oh, but the kingdom of the Father is eternal. And the Lord wants us to ex exercise and rule and reign with justice in our area. In our area right now, in our area of influence, rise up, mighty man of God. Rise up, mighty woman of God. Be the king that God's called you to be in your area of influence. Submit this to the Lord Jesus Christ and you will see your territory increase. And the Lord will give you absolute amazing 
revelation of how to rule and reign. I speak blessing over you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Bless you. I want to share with you today about the kingdom constitution. Everything in life is about a constitution. Constitution is what you believe. Kingdom constitution is the very logos, the Bible itself, the holy word of God, the written word of God. And it is the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God, the revealed word of God. There are two, there are two constitutions in the world. One is the constitution of God for the kingdom, and the other is the constitution of the people. The people's constitution says, we the people. And people's constitution can be changed by man. Oh, but the kingdom constitution, the king, the, the, king, the constitution of the kingdom of God says, I the Lord. And this constitution can never, ever be changed. His word is yea and amen. It's yesterday, today and tomorrow. It's forever the same. There's five principles I want to share with you quickly concerning kingdom constitution. Number one. King's kingdom constitution at source and origin, the benefits and privileges, the, consti the constitution obligation, and the rights and responsibilities. And point five is the constitution statutes. Let's go through them slowly. Kingdom constitution, source and origin, is the word of the Lord, which is eternal, Psalms 119. It is the Lord as king forever and ever in Psalms 10. And the Lord sits enthroned forever. That's the source of our constitution. This is seriously good stuff. Kingdom constitution benefits and privileges are amazing. God personally prepares you for the kingdom in John 14. There is eternal kingdom provision. Eternal kingdom provision. It's not your responsibility. It's the king's responsibility. And the king has guaranteed provision. There's kingdom life. There's kingdom security. All your requests are met when you're in his kingdom. He has full ownership in the kingdom in Luke 12. And there's an inheritance of this kingdom. My brothers and sisters, the benefits and the blessings and the privileges of the kingdom are absolutely mind-blowing amazing. Now, the obligation of the king, kingdom in point three is the king and his word becomes the very kingdom constitution. The king is obligated to carry out his word and act on his constitution. The kingdom constitution states wherever the king, whatever the king says. And when the king speaks, the constitution is established. The king never fails to keep his constitution. His promises are yes and amen. Point four, the kingdom constitution rights and responsibilities is to serve before being served. He set that example when he sent his son, Christ, to the earth, born of the Virgin Mary, to be Jesus, served to being served. To repair and restore foundation values in every area, in every area in your very heart itself, to break poverty and bring healing to the sick, to set captives and prisoners free, to proclaim the favor and the blessing of the Lord, to comfort and counsel, to restore dignity and self-worth, to remove sorrow, and release joy, to praise and worship and release and strength, to, to train and equip you for works of service, and to bring you into the full maturity of the image of his son. 
These are our rights and responsibilities of being in the kingdom. Now, kingdom constitution statutes is in Luke 16. It says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my statutes, my statutes will never change. I will remove the heavens and the earth before I, before I move my statutes. In 1 Peter 1.25, it says, the word of the Lord stands forever. Every kingdom has a constitution. Kingdom constitution is the documented will, purposes, and intent of the king. The contract that God has with the church. The desire of God for the church. The express will of God. The expressed will of God in written form. And in the very will and the testimony of the king for his citizens. That's you and me. God's doc, God documented thoughts are in the written Bible, the Logos. And the expressed will and desire and intent of God is for all his people. That's for you and me. I bless you this day, my brothers and sisters. And I pray that the anointing and the favor of God rest upon you as, as you just enjoy the benefits of the constitution of the kingdom of God. Bless you. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Kingdom increase and covering. When God created man, he said, go and multiply. God gave to them authority to procreate and multiply and take authority over. You know, the first thing Jesus did when he stepped into his ministry, he went to make disciples. He never went to start a ministry. He never went and started fasting or, or started doing miracles, he went to make disciples. And then he gave to those very disciples the authority to procreate and they, they themselves to go and make disciples. I believe this is our mandate from heaven. Kingdom increase. Matthew thirteen forty four says the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Well, let's understand this, that the treasure is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The field is the people out there. And to find the treasure, you have to search in that field. And this is a truckload of dirty work. But you know, there's a treasure there. So put aside the dirt and look for the treasure. To love the treasure is to love God in the people. And while we were yet sinners, the Father stepped out, stepped down, and came and searched for you while you were yet a sinner. And he saw that treasure within you. He went past the dirt. He went past the mud. He went past the muck. He went past all the sin in your life. And he pressed in to bring that treasure out. This is absolutely most amazing. The power to increase in the kingdom of God is to cover up. The power to cover offense is to love your enemies, my brothers and sisters. Jesus loved Judas so much that the very disciples never knew who was the betrayer until the betrayer showed up. Jesus knew. He knew exactly. Matthew 5, 38 to 42 says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him and give him the other cheek. But if one slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other side also. And if anyone would sue you, take your tunic 
and give him your tunic and your cloak as well. Oh, wow, this is like a little bit heavy. Okay, let me ask you this question. On a scale of 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, like be brutally honest with yourself right now. 1 being the lowest of the low and 10 being megatops. How much do you love yourself? You know, I was asked that question by the Lord. When the question came to me, I went like, oh God, uh, yeah, no, you know what? There's still quite a bit of dirt within myself. Well, suddenly I had the question turn to a different question. If I were not me, if I were not me, would I marry this? Would I marry this person? Oh my goodness, absolutely not, I thought. And suddenly my personal ratings of myself dropped from a seven down to a three. And I realized, Lord Jesus, I actually don't really love myself. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, to the same degree you love yourself, to that degree you love me. And I went, Lord, what is this about? And the Lord says, you haven't searched for the treasure that I've put within. The same degree you love yourself, you love God. The same degree that you love others, you love God. You see, my brothers and sisters, we've got to put aside the dirt and we've got to look for that treasure within. We've got to look for the treasure in the earthen vessels. And I want to speak this over you right now. You are valued. You are treasured. You are the great reward for the Father. He loves you. He crowns you with beauty. You're the apple of his eye. You're the signet ring on his finger. He holds you in the palm of his hand. He's given to you all his authority to go and do what he did. Go and create. Go make disciples. Look for the treasure within them. Don't look at their faults. Don't look at their mistakes. Don't look at yourself and say, I can't do it because I'm a mess up. Mighty man of God, mighty woman of God. This is the season for kingdom increase. Remove that dirt. Draw near to God. He will transform you through sanctification. He will change you into his image and likeness. The secret is Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. So, Father God, I just pray for blessing right now upon your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Kingdom leadership. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority. For they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account to God for their work. So it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. The definition of leadership is to act of leading, influencing, and serving others so they can accomplish God's purpose in their life and they in turn can lead others. There's no doubt God is raising up kingdom leaders in these last days. There've been many in the past. The fathers have passed the baton to their sons and their daughters and this is now a season for you to rise up in kingdom leadership. There's two categories of leadership in the world. Kingdom of darkness leadership, kingdom of God leadership. Kingdom of darkness leadership always leads to bondage and slavery. But the kingdom of God leadership always leads to freedom and, and dominion. Leadership in the ecclesia, in the local church, there's two different, there's two distinctions here. In ecclesia, that's the church international, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And the local church is your local house where you fellowship. In the wider body of Christ, the ecclesia, you've got apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles. That's in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. I don't like speaking hierarchy, but that's the principle of order it's placed in. 
Then in the local church, the designated leader in the local church is pastor, pastor elder. Not the group of elders who sit over the pastor. It's the pastor who gets the calling from God to lead. And he has elders in support. Acts 20, 28. There's, there's no distinction between a pastor and an elder. Actually, pastors only mentioned once in the New Testament. But it's a functioning role. Okay, then you've got bishop and overseer. And this is responsible to multiple ministries, this category. Then you've got the fivefold ministry, which submit under the leadership of a local church. And that fivefold ministry is the leaders in the ecclesia, the wider church. Under them, you've got deacons and workers of miracles. You've got seven styles of leadership in the Bible. Hierarchical leadership in Deuteronomy 16, 18, appoint judges, appoint elders, appoint international leadership. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, this leadership style is to serve and never impose. Then you've got reward leadership, John 3, 3. Except a man be born again. Then you've got team leadership, which is a unilateral leadership, 2 Kings chapter 6. Build us a house. Jesus gives us all authority, all of us, all authority. And then you've got paternal leadership. Follow me as I follow Christ, like the Apostle Paul. And this is, this is that apostolic role. Then you've got situational leadership in 1 Corinthians 1, 26. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. Then you've got transformational leadership, Genesis 12, where Abraham and, dest and destiny based despite his present status, creating a vision for the people. Then you've got servant leadership, Matthew 20, 26. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, be the servant of all. It's an inverted pyramid scheme. Serve others before yourself. Let's have a look at 10 characteristics quickly of a kingdom leader. A kingdom leader will always have passion for God's presence above everything else. A kingdom leader will seek the kingdom of God first above anything else. A kingdom leader will always honor and love their spouse above ministry. They will always build into the destiny of the children above ministry. They will serve the needs of others who are their followers above their own ministry. They will lead through influence and pers persuasion. They will transfer accountability, authority and responsibility to spiritual sons and daughters. They will procreate. That's procreation. Kingdom leadership. They will seek the growth to their maximum potential. And kingdom leadership will have concern for the poor and the marginalized. Kingdom leadership will impart what you have to your leaders and die to self. Let me pray with you because I know that I know that God is raising up kingdom leaders. And there is no doubt as you choose to serve the Lord, you will serve as a kingdom leader yourself. Father, come and do a miracle this day. Touch, transform me, give me kingdom leadership mentality. Help me download the secrets of the kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Kingdom land, kingdom territory. Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. That is land, that is territory. And in Genesis 1.26, where God created Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion over all this land, over all this territory.
Then Adam and Eve fell. When they fell, they rebelled against the king of the kingdom. And God drove them off the land out of the garden. And Adam and Eve lost their dominion. Satan took occupation. Satan is a squatter. He's an illegal immigrant. He knows his time is short. His eviction papers have already been served. He's about to get kicked out. And this is where you and I rise up. Walk in our God-given legal authority. Okay, because the possession of this land is now in your hands and my hands, but we need to act on this. You know, Satan will get evicted. He knows his time is short. So he's going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour and pull down and destroy and, and just kill. But you, anointed child of God, rise up in your kingdom authority. Rise up in the territory and the land that God has given to you. Because recompense is coming to you and everything that's been stolen away from you and your ancestors is about to come back to you. Revelations 11.15 says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. The kingdom of Satan and all the worldly kingdoms will submit to the kingdom of God. And you have been given authority in the kingdom of God. Even Jesus himself gave to you the keys of the kingdom. There is power of land. The first thing God gave to man was land. Not religion. Not a church. Not anything other. The first thing God gave was land. The first thing man lost was land. The first thing God promised Abraham was land. God promised Joshua land. Every place you put your foot. Oh, I love it. Every place you put your foot, I have given to you. Real wealth, my brothers and sisters, is in the land. And that is why it's called real estate. You need to own the land and control the wealth. Land is the only estate that is real. The word of the Lord says in Matthew 5, 5, the meek will inherit the earth. Loss of land is a curse. Restoration of land is a blessing. There are seven kingdom principles of land. God created man to be like his creator. God created man in his image and likeness to be like him. To be king over what he owns. God created man to have a kingdom, dominion over the land and all within it. God created man to rule in this kingdom. God created man for inter-realm transfer, reflecting God's kingdom. God created man to reflect God's kingdom of wealth through, earth, through the earthly kingdom. And God created man to reflect God's kingdom of glory through this earthly kingdom. God, good news of the kingdom, or good news of the kingdom, is that Jesus preached an eternal kingdom. And for this very fact, we can have our kingdom back. Because the Lord is coming to bring a new heaven and a new earth. And this is for you. You will be the occupant. You will take occupation. You will have dominion. And you will rule. And you will fall on your face and cast down your crown. And you will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. So I speak to you now, full recompense of what the enemy has taken away. Mighty, mighty child of God, rise up. Exercise that God-given authority. Declare what the Lord has spoken over you. Use your authority and give the execution judgment. Give the judgment 
of exile to the powers of darkness and evict them off your territory right now. You say, Mark, how do I do this? Speak a word of life, speak a word of blessing and command the powers of darkness to leave. You say, how? Book of James, submit to God, resist the devil. Don't avoid him. Don't let him stay there as a squatter and an illegal immigrant. Serve him his papers today by submitting to God and then resisting him. And resist the powers of darkness and they will flee. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. My blessed brothers and sisters, I want to share with you about kingdom keys. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of the world kingdom. Do you know Jesus prayed for the kingdom transfer in Matthew 6, 10? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It wasn't a lateral transfer from earthly kingdom to earthly kingdom. No, no, no. It was not from earthly kingdom to the kingdom of God. No, no, no. It was from the kingdom of heaven transfer down to the kingdom of earth. That is how Jesus prayed. In Romans eight nineteen, it says, All creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. And this is because the kingdom of heaven is coming to earth. That is kingdom transfer. There are two kingdoms out there. Both kingdoms have keys. The kingdom of God is the father of heaven. The kingdom of Satan is the father of lies and deceit. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the king keys of the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to take the keys of the kingdom of darkness away from him. I don't want those keys. The master key, my brothers and sisters, the master key that will access every door is found in Luke 8, verse 10. You have been given knowledge to the secrets of the kingdom. Acts 16, verse 18. This master key is Jesus Christ himself. Let's have a look at these two keys quickly. The keys of the kingdom of heaven and the keys of darkness. The keys of the kingdom of heaven are love, joy, peace, and righteousness. The keys of the kingdom of darkness is hate, sorrow, turmoil, and unrighteousness. What do keys represent? Authority. It's your key that gives you the authority to work. Access. It gives you access to open and close. It gives you ownership to take possession. Keys represent control. If you possess the keys, you control it. Keys give you authority. Keys give you authority to influence heaven, to bring heaven to earth. Keys give you power, the power of binding and loosing. And keys give you freedom. Keys are law principles, my brothers and sisters. When you use a key correctly, it will work. Keys are principles that operate under fixed laws. Keys are systems that control the systems and the process. Keys activate impartation and release. Keys are blessings for you to enjoy all good things. Keys initiate action. Keys start the engine and cause the motion and get your ministry going and wake you up in the morning. Keys can never be substituted by emotion thinking or manipulation. You have been given keys, keys of authority. The keys of authority are for repentance. Forgiveness gives power and authority. That is the greatest key. The greatest key is the key of repentance. It's a key of prayer. Ask and it'll be given. It's the key of the presence. 
through abiding in his word. It's the key of his word, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the key of faith. To command your mountain to be cast into the sea and raise up those valleys in front of you. It's the key of boldness. To trample on the head of serpents and scorpions. It's the key of giving. When you use the key of giving, you will open up doors for you in front of others. Now, how do you use your kingdom keys? Seven steps quickly. How to use your kingdom keys? Through your mouth. Proverbs 18.21. Through, go through this door. Revelations 38. It's, Revelations, it says, I have placed in front of you a door. The keys of, the keys, how do you use your key? Through binding and loosing, Mark 16. Keys, how do you use them? Set captives free. How do you use it? Use it in prayer. Another way to use it, through praise and worship. And especially, my brothers and sisters, how do you use your keys of the kingdom? Through obedience. Acts 8.26, arise and go. Let me pray with you right now. Father God, I thank you that you've given us to, given to us keys of the kingdom. That we will refute, we will stop, we will silence the works of darkness. I thank you for kingdom transfer that's taking place. This inter-realm transfer, it's not from the kingdom of darkness to me. No, Lord, it's from the kingdom of heaven down to earth. And Father, may we exercise this authority against the works of darkness and silence the enemy in Jesus' name. I bless you, my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Psalm 149, verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. Prophetic praise is the key. I want to encourage you this day to rise up and let the high praises of God be in your mouth. God said through Abraham that he would raise up David's tabernacle in the last days. This is the last days. This is for you. Amos 9.11. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. In Acts 15 verse 16. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild it. The word David means here is beloved. That's you. The word of the tabernacle means the house, the palace, the temple. That's your very body, your being. My brothers and sisters, there's spiritual weapons that, that are at your disposal right now. Prophetic praise is a weapon that God has given to us to bring vengeance upon his enemies and upon those who come up against you. There are physical gestures of prophetical praise that you can use and activate right now. And bring breakthrough in your life. I want to encourage you. Step up. Step out by faith. Listen to this. Psalms 47 verse 1. Oh clap your hands all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Psalm 149 verses 1 to 4. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And praise him in the assemblies of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. And let the children of Zion, be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble.
with salvation. So what are these, what are these things that you've got available to you right now? Clapping, shouting, singing, prophetic songs, dancing and tambourines and musical instruments, flags or banners. Praise definitely opens the gates to us. Praise cures the driest, driest of times. Numbers 21, 16 to 17 says, From there they went to Beer, which is the well, where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up her well. All you who sing to it, David sang from the wilderness of Judah. And dry times were broken. My brothers and sisters, it's all about prophetic wells. Come and sit in the presence of the Lord. Let, let this enthusiasm within you, which is a pent-up flood, come bursting out. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength and you will experience breakthrough in your dry period. I want to encourage you. Jump up this moment right now. Start clapping your hands. Start making a prophetic declaration. Clapping in Hebrew is tagah. And it means to clatter, slap, strike, or drive a nail. That's the prophetic influence when you clap. You're driving a nail into the works of the enemy, separating it, or you're establishing your territory. Definition. This is an aggressive, violent dimension of the expression of praise when you clap. Then there's shout. Oh, shout is so, so amazing. It's Riva. And this means to split the ears of the demonic forces, creating confusion in the enemy camp. Joshua 6 verses 16 to 20 goes on to say, In the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets, then Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. I really believe that God wants to do this right now for you. God is going to use your shout to split the ears of demonic forces, creating confusion in their camp. Then there's the singing. As seen earlier, the high praises of God's people are a powerful weapon as being beautiful, loving to the Lord. As God wars through his people, the enemy scatters. Psalms 18 says, The Lord thundered from heaven, the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire, he sent his arrows and he scattered the the foe. This is done when you raise up your voice and you sing unto the Most High. Prophetic songs that spontaneous, instantaneous, automatic, gushing out of you. Joy of the Lord singing. Jeremiah 1 says, The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. This is what the Lord's going to do for you right now. The Lord's going to come and touch you. And there's going to come an extreme release of joy upon you in Isaiah 30. It says, for the voice of the Lord scatters, scatters the enemy. The enemy will be beaten down, my brothers and sisters. Utilize. Do what you need to do. Make a noise unto the Lord. Make a beautiful noise unto the Lord. Use the musical instruments that are around you. It might be your clapping. It might be your stomping. It might be your jumping up and down. Pick up that banner. Song of Psalms. Song of Solomon. 6 verse 40. My love, you are so beautiful. Lovely as Jerusalem. Awesome as an army with banner. My brothers and sisters, praise opens gates for us. Psalm 100. 
enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and praise does cure dry times. So rise up, mighty man of God. Rise up, mighty woman of God. Exercise the authority God's put upon you, and worship and praise. Amen. Psalm 149, verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. Prophetic praise is the key. I want to encourage you this day to rise up and let the high praises of God be in your mouth. God said through Abraham that he would raise up David's tabernacle in the last days. This is the last days. This is for you. Amos 9.11. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. In Acts 15 verse 16. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild it. The word David means here is beloved. That's you. The word of the tabernacle means the house, the palace, the temple. That's your very body, your being. My brothers and sisters, there's spiritual weapons that that are at your disposal right now. Prophetic praise is a weapon that God has given to us to bring vengeance upon his enemies and upon those who come up against you. There are physical gestures of prophetical praise that you can use and activate right now. And bring breakthrough in your life. I want to encourage you. Step up. Step out by faith. Listen to this. Psalms 47 verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Psalm 149 verses 1 to 4. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And praise him in the assemblies of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. And let The children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. So what are these these things that you've got available to you right now? Clapping, shouting, singing, prophetic songs, dancing and tambourines and musical instruments, flags or banners. Praise definitely opens the gates to us. Praise cures the driest, driest of times. Numbers twenty-one sixteen to 17 says, From there they went to Beer, which is the well, where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, all you who sing to it. David sang from the wilderness of Judah, and dry times were broken. My brothers and sisters, it's all about prophetic wells. Come and sit in the presence of the Lord. Let let this enthusiasm within you, which is a pent-up flood, come bursting out. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength, and you will experience breakthrough in your dry period. I want to encourage you, jump up this moment, right now. Start clapping your hands. Start making a prophetic declaration. Clapping in Hebrew is tagah. And it means to clatter, slap, strike, or drive a nail. That's the prophetic influence when you clap. You're driving a nail into the works of the enemy, separating it, or you're establishing your territory. 
definition. This is an aggressive, violent dimension of the expression of praise when you clap. Then there's shout. Oh, shout is so, so amazing. It's riva. And this means to split the ears of the demonic forces, creating confusion in the enemy camp. Joshua 6 verses 16 to 20 goes on to say, In the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets, then Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. I really believe that God wants to do this right now for you. God is going to use your shout to split the ears of demonic forces, creating confusion in their camp. Then there's the singing. As seen earlier, the high praises of God's people are a powerful weapon as being beautiful, loving to the Lord. As God wars through his people, the enemy scatters. Psalms 18 says, The Lord thundered from heaven, the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire, he sent his arrows and he scattered the the foe. This is done when you raise up your voice and you sing unto the Most High. Prophetic songs that spontaneous, instantaneous, automatic, gushing out of you. Joy of the Lord singing. Jeremiah 1 says, The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. This is what the Lord's going to do for you right now. The Lord's going to come and touch you. And there's going to come an extreme release of joy upon you in Isaiah 30. It says, For the voice of the Lord scatters scatters the enemy the enemy will be beaten down my brothers and sisters utilize do what you need to do make a noise unto the lord make a beautiful noise unto the lord use the musical instruments that are around you it might be your clapping it might be your stomping it might be your jumping up and down pick up that banner song of psalms song of solomon 6 verse 40 my love you are so beautiful Lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banner. My brothers and sisters, praise opens gates for us. Psalm 100. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And praise does cure dry times. So rise up, mighty man of God. Rise up, mighty woman of God. Exercise the authority God's put upon you. And worship and praise. Amen.